what is up? Welcome back for another episode on the Lemon Soul podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with a very, very, very good friend of mine, Tia. She is the owner of the Windsor Circus School and the Ultimate Badass. I love her so dearly, and I'm super stoked to get this conversation started, to hear all about Windsor Circus School, all about her travels, all about who she is as a person, and it it's going to be a good one. So let's do this. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Lemon Soul Podcast uh, virtual Zoom quarantine edition. Woo! This is what we're doing. <laughs> All right, guys, we have T here from the Windsor Circus School. Obviously, I know you b- before the Windsor Circus Well, I guess kind of at the birth of the Windsor Circus School. Yeah. But you were like so many more things than the Windsor Circus School owner. And I want to talk about like fucking everything because I think you're the coolest individual. Awesome. Um, Thanks, <laughs> but we were going to start at the Windsor Circus School because I think what you have done is fucking amazing. And anyone who has stepped foot in your fucking studio is addicted immediately. Yeah, it's <laughs> a has- weird uh, niche form for sure. But I mean, like, it's one of those things because... I feel like there's no specific box that anyone fits in. As soon as you step into it, you're like, what do I, what do I want to climb? You're like, I want to climb all the things and then find the thing I, that doesn't hurt me as, as much that I don't mind hurting me as much. Oh, it's fitness. Everything's going to hurt. You're good. <laughs> I remember the first time I came in, I was like doing the silks. And I was like, oh man, I don't really, I don't really like these silks. They, they hurt. And then I got on the leer. I was like, this hurts even more but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it crazy how everyone has like their niche pocket as, as to what they enjoy. And that's why it's like, are you new to it? And what do you actually, what do you like? Right. So you almost have to like taste test it like food, be like over here, nah, over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do people, what is like the most common thing? You know what? I think visually everyone's really attracted to the silks because they're a, in our facility, they're purple. Um, everything's purple and uh b they just have some kind of like elegant flow to it and it brings back this childhood like i want to climb stuff right like i want to be up there and then all of a sudden there's this yeah there's this wanting to learn how to use their body again which is awesome for me because all i like seeing is the progression from point a to point z like how did you get there what was your mindset that stuff that stuff geeks me out i'm just a geek down into my soul (laughs) well i think that's actually super important to talk about because it is super fucking physical and like we were just joking about like it is a painful process when you're doing that type of stuff but the mindset thing is the even bigger challenge in my what i would assume anyways and what i experienced is like how often do you see more of a transition of someone's mindset versus like their physical attributes? Well, that's the first thing that needs to transfer almost like you almost need to get your head in the game and like, I'm going to go high school musical about it, right? Like put, put, get your head in the game and like start working from the ground up because if your brain isn't there, then all of a sudden you go into this vortex of, of negative, like I can't, I can't, how can I, well, maybe I cannot. Um, but when it really is like, dude, I'm gonna do it, right? Like I've decided that I'm going to do it. It's just how to get there now. Um, and what's really cool about the circus school is the programs that I hoped to birth originally was that it would take people from the ground and like slowly understand how their body moves and then they could utilize it in the air, right? Like this is not a common denominating position where someone's like, I'm going to invert right away. It's very difficult to take your whole body weight, lift it up and try to lift yourself upside down. Um, but that's why like 
physically training on this lovely purple mat, which I enjoy so much, and getting yourself like the push, the pull, the hand grip. Like if any rock climbers are out there, you know when you started rock climbing, like your fingers were sore trying to grip onto stuff. It's not something we use all the time, right? So that's always the fun part where the first day anyone gets into the facility, I'm like, yo, you're gonna be fine, but you're gonna hurt in your hands. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, see this muscle right here? This one's going to be on fire. You're fine. <laughs> you, you didn't know you had that muscle, but it is there. You're about <laughs> to use it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite because it's like, what do you mean this tiny thing on my hand's going to do something? It does. <laughs> it is so true. And you're going to end up with a lot of bruises and marks and um, rope burn or uh, silk burn, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, they're battle wounds, man. And that's what it is when you go in for it. It's like, um, it's like gymnastics. It's like CrossFit. When you start like holding bars, you're like, look at my calluses right? Like you're almost like, proud of them for what you've, you've discovered inside of your hands. It was like, it's like a badge of honor. I remember when I was doing Lyra like repetitively, you come in the next class and guys are like, look at all these bruises I have. Look how hard I worked. And everyone's like comparing all their black bruises on the back of their legs. Like I'm a like weird a broken hair. Look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. But I, I love that because it's not only like, um, I guess in like the MMA world, which I got to experience a little bit in Vancouver, they're all about the, oh, like when you get down and they make noises and it's aggressive and I love that stuff and then when you come in here it's almost like it's this art form so people take it a little bit more dainty but it's really not that way it's visually that way sometimes because you make it look so fluid but when it comes down to it we're like dude did you see this gnarly scar <laughs> <laughs> it's so true like I remember watching you perform on the lyre for the first time before I had ever gotten on it and anytime you see like stuff like like Cirque or at the circus, everything, mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's so fluid, it's so beautiful, and it looks so elegant. And you, as soon as you get off that layer, you're like, oh, I can't breathe. Like, let me just lie down. Let me just take my like 10 seconds. <laughs> you're like, go, 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 go. Term, I love it because my it's like my new favorite term is just telling people they're not underwater, right? Like you're you you can breathe. You're just upside down. Oh. You can actually physically hold your breath upside down, but it's not something we're used to doing. So as soon as you get into a weird position, all of a sudden you feel like I have to hold my breath in to execute this when really it's the complete opposite. You have to learn to breathe into it or you're going to pass the fuck out, man. Just saying yeah. kind of how your body works. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're spinning repetitively over and over and over again. Oh yeah. The spinning's a whole other ball game. And it's like being a 12 year old kid in like your, your dad's office chair and just doing this a bunch. We call it spin training. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going on a rocket ship. If you ever want to be an astronaut, you have to do that type of shit. It's the yeah. same thing at the Windsor Circus School. It's fine. But there are like, and there's definitely people who can handle it a lot more. Like there are people who are spinners and there are people who are droppers, you know, and like, they're like, I really like the flipping. Like, how do you flip from this position to this position without dying? Um, I've recently just got into this year, like partner acrobatics as well. And so taking an extra person and adding them into the mix is fucking nuts because now you're not only relying on like yourself right? You're also saying, hey, person that I'm training with, I trust you enough to hold me, to catch me, to communicate with me in whatever way, shape, or form. And that is, um, that's a new relationship that is just, like, I'm going to say again, gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite word also, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> and it's that thing, it's like, you're, you're not just like trusting the other person to just like catch you, but like, 
save your life if you don't if you don't get caught you could end up on your head and snap your neck and you know <laughs> 10 others but that's both ways so a little bit into circus culture um there's a typically if you're working with partners you're working with a flyer and a base and there's there's a duo you can have a trio you can go and have an entire like quad section right you, you keep building with people inside of shows and so inside of like duos and trios if you don't have that communication back um, the partnership really does start to disintegrate because you just don't trust yourself that you are comfortable. But as so myself, I'm, I'm mainly a flyer. I'm getting into the base role a little bit more as I'm starting to learn, like to trust myself to hold other people because that's a whole other ball game. Um, but yeah, just trying to figure out how you are going to word it inside of like a handstand, right? Mm -hmm. Holding someone on your hands here and saying, I, as a flyer, am going to do the best I can to also not land on your head, right? right? And the base's job is to make sure that I get down safely. Mm -hmm. And so I think the miscommunication when it comes to circus a lot, and this is something for anyone who's watching that is in the circus industry, um, everyone's like, the base dropped me, right? And I think that's utter bullshit because yeah. Pop out. It's your, it's, yeah it's your job too like you're your 50 50 partnership so what went wrong inside of your partnership for that to happen and then you have to communicate that way out and then there's a whole sports psychology thing that happens because you've you've um, disassociated with your partner right now you don't trust them as much so now you have to almost like rehab your brain and your trust to get back to its original position what happens when you're in a, like in a tiff with your partner or you're in an argument with your partner and then you go have to go and perform and trust each other still. Like, I feel like there's such a human aspect of it that you don't really see or it's kind of a behind the scenes like topic. Like, have you ever experienced that? It's, um, you try not to. Yeah, I would say is like first and foremost, you really try to like solve it out. It's like any relationship. You don't want to harvest it, right? The moment you harvest it and then have to execute the relationship, it's not going to um, work as well. So you really want to make sure that you actually have done the work to get there. Now, that's not to say when you get into the bigger industries, you don't always get to choose who you're working with either. So that's a bit of a different um, aspect when you, you are put with a partnership and then you have to decide how that relationship comes together. But for the common people that do circus on every day, you, you choose your partner, right? You get to choose who, that, who, who gets to lift you up and who gets to drop you and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I really like that aspect. I'd say that's probably one of my, the coolest things I've done in the last two years. I've worked with some really great great partners um over the last year between here and detroit like detroit has a bunch of great bases a bunch of great flyers like just 20 minutes over the border i know it's not a thing right now but <laughs> eventually when you know the world opens back up and we're allowed to start traveling again um we're so close to a hub of just different different communities over on the other side and that's something i really like too well, it's nice. One day we'll be able to get back over there, hopefully soon. Half my family's American, so I'm just like, I guess I'm. I guess I'll see you guys maybe at Christmas. I just wave. You just wave. Probably not even at Christmas. We'll we'll see. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about like the mindset of failure because I feel like that is something you have to be. You have to be super fucking comfortable with. But I know that your experience with failure, and then um, the experience of failure that you watch other people go through. What is like? What have, has been your experience in watching other people? Like, it's kind of the mindset thing that we started talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, what is, like, the craziest, I, coolest part of that? 
it's kind of funny because I, I guess this, I don't know if this makes me sound like a terrible person, but I actually really like failure. <laughs> right? Like it, that's the part that makes you grow. Um, so when you start to understand, and that's the first step, right? When you start to understand that failure is natural and that it's not such a negative context that all of a sudden, yeah, like you get into this whirlwind into your head and you stay there and it festers, right? When you realize that failure is growth, then all of a sudden it puts you into the next level. Mm-hmm. And this is where you play. And then you can play here until you fail again. And then all of a sudden it puts you in the next level. But if you don't acknowledge that failure is growth, you get stuck really low. And so the hard part is bringing those people out. So if it's me personally as a coach looking at a student, then it's my job to allow that journey to continue with my vocals, right? So how do I communicate to these people um, that are coming through a difficult time that it is okay to feel it? Like actually feel it. I, I, you don't not want to feel your feelings. That's not going to go very well for you either. Um, I'd say when it comes to failure, like the assistance as a coach, getting someone through to, to acknowledge that it is growth and that it will, <coughs> excuse me, that it will get better. Um, but that is something you have to choose. That's not something I can do for you. Right. right. But I can, you know, talk from experience as one of your students, like it does like you, and, and again, like, were you ever trained even in coaching and in doing that type of stuff? Or does that just come naturally to you? Cause it, I remember, you know, you're afraid to fall, not only because there's a bunch of other people around in the studio, but you're afraid to fall because you could end up on your face or hurt yourself. There's all these layers of it. But then as soon as, as soon as like you walk in and you're like, you can fucking do it. I'm like, Tia thinks I can do this. I can fucking do this. <laughs> I'm like, just drop, just, just let go, just do it. And it is, it's like, that's that layer of like that support from you mm-hmm. is so important in like that group, that student teacher setting. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I agree. I guess when it comes to coaching, it's, that's the only thing I've ever done. Um, it's kind of funny because I get into this conversation pieces and people are like, Oh, what do you do? And what have you done before this? And I'm like this, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I've, I've grown into. I've been around amazing coaches. I've been around average coaches. I've been around coaches that are mentally abusive. I've been around coaches that are mentally, you know, sustaining people up here at a high end level. And so just acknowledging what I do and do not like from characteristics around that I've seen um, and then Im- implementing them into the athlete itself, right? So whether you are an adult or a child or a senior, right, you still have the ability to grow. And I find this is a weird mindset that we get into in the western culture which is like past 18 you are unable to to grow Mm. mentally physically emotionally people are just yeah people feel like they're stunted um when really it's just hard work and failure (laughs) and society has taught us that that's really fucking hard and negative and everyone's watching us and everyone gives a shit and the thing is no one really gives a shit no No one really cares do you like you have have to apply like a different coaching attitude towards like a different age group or even just a different personality. Like you have to be adjusting along the entire way, student by student. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of my, my favorite things to do. Um, I remember, remember the first time I figured that out. It was, I was dealing with a very high level athletic group. Um, and then all of a sudden a field trip came in. And so like my coaching brain that was raw, raw, do this, do that. Here's your mental support. Here's your emotional support. And then we went like hundred person field trip, hundred person youth field trip. I just kind of sat there for a second, gathered myself and went, your energy is so high and you're not going to listen to anything I say. Yeah. 
right? So my job is to now match your energy, be the coolest energy in the room, and then say, sit the fuck down for a second. Yeah. So I can explain how we're going to be amazing. Yeah. Right. But it takes knowing how to deal with, again, how many people, what the age group is, um, their response, like how they, how they respond to you is kind of um, how you elicit response back, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, And with youth, it's very different with adults. I've, um, it's kind of cool teaching adults because I've only done that since opening the circus school. Well, that's not true. I guess I did a couple of like gymnastic adult classes. um, And those were my favorite because when it came down to it, they were willing, like they had the attention span and wanted to learn. So that was something completely new to me. Uh, When I worked in West Vancouver, that was one of the bigger things. West Vancouver had this amazing facility. Um, Adults came in and there were a couple of them that wanted to learn balance, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to go on on the balance beam and just learn how to walk forward and even getting them connected to their feet while they were moving on a linear path that was this big was something mind-blowing for them and they loved it right so that part really that got my inner nerd going too <laughs> I love your inner nerd yeah <laughs> it's also your outer nerd it's best. Oh. Oh. I want to like talk about kind of your experience as the coach and what the mental tax is on you and only from my experience only not with you but my personal experience is like being on like that and like you're constantly running on your like you're saying you're matching people's energy mm-hmm. Does that come naturally to you or do you feel like that like taxes your body? I think it was definitely developed along the way. Um, I do have a pretty high level of like energetic frequency when it comes down to it. I'm pretty bouncy. Sometimes I'll run. Um, I get into my head a lot and I'm pretty like I sustain myself in a group of people. So it's not uh, exhausting. No one's taking the energy from me. What I'd say is after a very long day of a lot of people in a room, normally if it's just like eight or 10, like it's not bad. Um, But with a lot of people in a room, I will seclude myself and like go completely self deprecate. Like I want to sit here. I analyze the day. I dissect it. I debrief myself. Once the debrief is gone and I feel like I had any emotional insecurities about it or something went well or something didn't go well, um, I take that. I box it up, send it away. And then after I've sent it away, I go complete isolation and maybe just like the, um, what do you call it? Like when you take away stimulants, right? I take away computer screens and. Oh, like, um, uh, um, oh my God. Oh, wow. Like the chambers. They're the... Yep. <sighs> no, I'm No, they're not deprivation things. No, it's... Um, uh, we'll think of it in 10 minutes. Okay, good talk. <laughs> There's going to be someone that watches <laughs> and they're like, it's this. It's this. <laughs> we're, we're just a bunch of idiots. We're just hanging out. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. So just like, yeah, I take away a lot of stimulants for sure. Um, but I've just recently re-added coffee back into my diet. And I know I've taken it away for a long period of time. It just didn't sit well with how hyped I was all the time, right? And so now I think I've come to a conclusion with myself that, hey, I can have a foundation level and still drink a stimulant and be happy with it. (laughs) Honestly, it was the same way I hadn't drank. And again, I don't drink coffee, but even just tea, it was Mm -hmm. like making me go bonkers. And it was also fucking up my digestive system. So I wasn't drinking it for like six months. And just recently the other day, I got like, some so simple, like a refresher from fucking Starbucks. And I was like, it hit like eight o'clock, which is usually my downtime. I know, I know. And I was like, oh my God, I have energy. Is this what normal people feel like? Like day to day, like I'm so not. Right on time. (laughs) 
I'm like so not used to it, but it is about managing kind of like, because I can, I can get to that energy. Like I am a bubbly person and I like to do that. Yeah, you have the bounce already. Not all the time. (laughs) I I like noticed this until I looked at myself in the, like, (laughs) in the, in the screen right now. And I'm like, oh yeah, I do just move randomly. Just all the time. I know my mom, we're always sitting on the same couch and she's like, will you stop shaking? Will you stop moving? Do you need to get up? And I was like, yeah, I think I might need to go for a walk or something. I can't, I can't sit still. <laughs> I didn't even know it was moving. Yep. Yep. It just happens. It's just natural. Um, but on top of the Windsor Circus School, mm-hmm. and doing like the physical attributes and stuff, you guys also work with your students to get them to like a performance level. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I'm going to keep saying this, as from experience, I was like, whoa, bro, not my thing. I don't want to perform in front of people. Is that the usual reaction? Or are there a lot of students that like, that's what they want to do? Yeah, it's a 50-50. Like some people walk in here and they say, I want to perform, right? And other people walk in here and they go, I don't know what this is about and I kind of would like to try it, mm-hmm. right? And so there's there's the extremes on both ends. Yeah. Um, I've had people transition as well. So they've started over here and said, I don't want to perform. And then they see what it's about and then they build the confidence and all of a sudden they have like the excitement to show their productivity essentially is what it is. Like they've worked so hard to do something, they would love to share it. And that's the moment where I'm like, Haha, all right, we did our thing. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the other ones um, that come in and that's where I would say like our prime and prep group come in and that's our uh, performance realizing movement education and our pre-performance group, which is under 18 typically and they are um, ex-gymnasts they are ex-dancers like they've had a very extensive learning background but they haven't been able to apply it anywhere in whatever period of time they've been out of their their sport right because what do you do after you've disciplined yourself this way for fuck some of it's like eight years and it's like five times a week do you know what I mean five times a week for five hours and then all of a sudden you're like what do you mean I have free time what do you mean I'm not just this thing in just this sport right so to apply it but in a fun way um and that's something I really have enjoyed in this past two years is watching the people with like such discipline come in here and have discipline and then I'm like can you just hold these oranges and juggle them (laughs) I'll see you in 10 minutes (laughs) I'll see ya and they're just like what do you mean yeah like figure it out. I guess I literally probably never considered the fact that there are people coming in. Like you, my natural instinct is just say like people like who the fuck does circus? Who the fuck is doing this shit? And not to like people are coming in not knowing, but the reverse, like you're saying, people are coming in knowing a shit ton, and you actually yeah. have to like pull that pull them back. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and that's the world that I kind of grew up in. I wasn't like I was in the competitive streak, but I was a little bit of an a-hole when it came down to being like an athlete because I didn't listen very well. Shocker. I know, right? I had the uh, ADHD thing going on and like just wanted to go flip. Like I just wanted to flip and I saw her flip and so I want to try it too, Um, which is like not the best way to go as an athlete now as a coach. I know that, (laughs) but you can't, you can't help but want them to do what they want to do right so if they're here and they have these elaborate dreams absolutely I'm going to let you drop from the ceiling but first we need to learn these 10 steps yeah so that you don't die yeah simple simple (laughs) but I want just want to clarify for people listening like you were you were doing gymnast you were a gymnast um like professional stuff 
Yeah, I was a I was a competitive gymnast. I didn't do very hot there, um, just because there's a lot of gymnasts and there's four different sports inside of gymnastics. Right, there's the beam, the vault, the bars, the floor, um, and so my power was only at specific sports or like inside of the gymnastics. We're only at specific. What do you call them? Um, oh, I've been out of the gymnastics world for so long. The disciplines, the the, yeah. the four different disciplines. And so when it came to like the explosive power, I know my legs aren't the strongest thing in the world, but my arms are. And that, that just comes with how your make is, like your DNA make and what you can apply and what you cannot apply. So like, do you have fast twitch muscle? Do you have good alignment in your body? Are you more flexible? Um, so I just had a very different set of qualities than the, gym, the gymnast did. Um, and then I went into diving and diving was really cool because I just got to flip a bunch and land. And um, because I was allowed to flip a bunch, sometimes I forgot how to land. And that was always like really a, a good learning experience, let's say. <laughs> Painful, I imagine. Yeah. You start to, um, when you start to learn, and this is something my coach did, is she said, sure, go do it. Right learn for yourself why not I, you'll, you'll understand eventually that you should learn to me and that was the difference between like gymnastics and diving is diving wasn't super not that it's not super dangerous but the the concept of landing was a little softer than on land and so the amount that I could screw with in the air was way different um, because I was landing in water right and then you went from diving to what was the next after that um, I didn't do anything for a long time. And this is that gap that I'm talking about when it comes to like the, the ex-athletes. So between your last day of athletics, whatever it is, into your adulthood where you decide or don't decide to do something with it, you don't really have any in between. There's no connectors um, into the teenage years, right? So what do you do as a teenager? I think I played a lot of video games. I think I did... Like I, I, yeah, I don't know what I did. And that, then what, that part is gone, right? Like, it's like <laughs> teenage years. Well, I do want to talk all about like your traveling and all your crazy fucking experiences, which is, is that part of like that gap? And then, Oh no, that was after that gap. That was after the gap. Oh my yeah. gosh. You're just, you're, I feel like you have lived so many different lives in your however many years. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can't stop moving. Right. So it, it just like, and it's not that, okay, here, here's the difference. It's not that I can't stop moving because that's not the case. Um, I do very much think at some point you have to sit with yourself and like hang out and breathe and learn about yourself and like not have any stimulants around while you're doing so. But at the same time, um, I want to experience a lot, I guess is what it is. So I've transferred myself into many different scenarios and each of those scenarios have just made character and I love it. Yeah. What would be like your best advice for someone who would want to come and join the Windsor Circus School and get started, but is fucking terrified? What is like your best piece of advice for someone new walking in? It's not as scary as you think. I second that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, and that's something too, that I got to learn along the way. Like when we first opened the circus school, the branding was very much like leave the ground behind. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everyone like right away associated pretty strong 
climbing with the brand itself, but that's not necessarily the case because you still have the functional stuff, right? The functional stuff on the ground that you need to learn how to joint rotate and make sure that your arms are actually sustainable and stacked, um, that your, you know, your neck can be relaxed in all these positions, that you can bend in half, your active and passive flexibility, um, your neurotransmitters, making sure you're okay with your body itself folding in half. So all of these things have definitely transformed. And I think the new concept and brand that we've started is um, fitness meets art. So like figuring out how to do your fitness form. And if you would like to take that extra step, making an art form out of it, because it is pretty and it is beautiful. And you are more than welcome to do that in any direction you wish, because it's art and art can go anywhere. Anywhere. I fucking love that. I didn't know when did you guys just do that recently? Or you guys yeah. like I think that? it was before um, the world shut down for a bit. We oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we started printing off new cards and I thought about it and just to kind of transition the mentality mm-hmm. and uh, going forth after when the world opens back up, I would really like to, you know, have people know that. And that's some of the feedback that I got when I first opened up was, you know, we don't know if we can. Mm-hmm. Right. I have um, a functional fitness class right now, which are all of my like older folk and they kick my younger folks ass because they've been with me for five years and they can lift their leg up for like five minutes and they're totally okay with it. Right. Whereas someone who just comes into my class is like, how are they doing this? (laughs) Right. But it's just doing it. It's, it's getting that practice in, building the muscle memory, um, going through your, your sweating process and actually being okay in your brain saying, my leg isn't going to fall off. Yeah, right? yeah. Bro, I can't believe you just said five years. Yeah. That's how long I've been in one place. That's, <laughs> that's a great segue for what we're going to talk about next. Like, <laughs> yeah. Talk about all your wild fucking trips. But man, five years, like that's insane. Well, like, okay, so it's been that open off. for three. Um, yeah. they, it just had its third year in May, which is pretty cool. Not that, <laughs> happy circus school, we're in quarantine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that happened in May, and I have been in one spot for about five years now, so that's pretty cool. Okay, I don't even know where to fucking begin. Where, why did you start traveling? Where did you fucking go? I want to hear some fucking crazy stories, because I know you have them, because I've heard them before, but like, it is just so wild and encourages people to travel safely and you lived in fucking malaysia like who the fuck says they could they lived in malaysia like who are you (laughs) yeah it was uh (laughs) i don't know where that story well i do know where that story begins i lied it's just it's it's attached to so much so i guess what actually happened um is i was in vancouver teaching at the vancouver circus school And I had neglected this injury I had on my knee, which basically ended up being an ACL tear completely, like it was torn in half and my leg would dislocate, (laughs) like it would just fall out and dislocate. And because I'm crazy, I'd just be like, pop my leg back in, like, just do it. Um, So I did that for three years. And then I realized at that point in time, it wasn't okay to do. So that took me a while to figure out as a human. Um same pain tolerance at this point in time like what the circus community allows and gymnastics community allows and that's partly myself like that was just me being moronic but uh, I got my ACL fixed and that really put a spiral onto my emotions I would say because as a mover right all the time um, it put me 
stationary. Like now I'm not allowed to move as much, as many drugs as they had me on. Right. It's just something that needs to rehab properly. And so in this rehabbing process, I put myself in a, in a couple just states that didn't feel nice to me mentally and freaked out, I would say is the correct term and left Vancouver to Southeast Asia with one of my very amazing buddies. Now, that wouldn't have happened if she didn't come back. She also had the surgery about, uh, I think it was like three months before me, came to assist in what it was going to feel like as a mover. She knew that I would have a hard time with it. And then basically asked me if I wanted to leave to Southeast Asia, like just flat pan, dead looked me in the eye. She's like, I've, I've done it. I've been on boats. It's amazing. Like we can just go live and have fun. And uh, I said, okay. She got really mad at me because she prepared like an entire speech. Apparently there was supposed to be like, we could do this and this and the reasons you should come with me. And I was like, no, I'm ready. We can go now. Were you ready out of the mental struggle? Yeah, I guess it was more the mental struggle of not wanting to stay stagnant in the place I was without being able to move. Like my life was revolving around movement, right? It was revolving around the circus arts. It was revolving around jumping on trampolines and like walking up mountains. Vancouver had all of the you know, extra outside curricular activities. Um, and I was stuck in this basement apartment at this time and I didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. So the next best thing was to be stuck on a beach. <laughs> yeah. Which in turn, once I got there, I realized was a bad idea because by the time you walked to the edge of the beach and your leg was tired, you can't walk back. <laughs> oh, good. So you'd sit there and be like, this is beautiful. I'm also frying. Yeah, but it was really cool because I think it rehabbed my leg in a very interesting way because the sand and the boats that we went on, um, it was all the instability, right? So it was all the small muscles and the articulating muscles that we worked on while we walked through sand and while we were on boats. Um, so it, it definitely got some, some use. <laughs> yeah, no shit. How long did you, so you stayed living there for a period of time? Yeah, we were there for two years. For two years. Jesus Christ. What do your parents think? <laughs> Um, my mom, I think at the time was okay with it until I was there for long. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I tried to keep her updated as much as possible. I don't think my dad had any strong emotions because he was more the like worried person about when I jumped off the diving board and did five flips, yeah. right? Like, oh my God, is she going to survive? Like that was it. So just being traveling, he's like, okay, she's fine. She'll be fine. Right? she's not hurling her body off of things and my mother um got a bunch of videos so I just constantly made them little videos about here this is where I live this is how I do my laundry you know what water is a really big thing now that I carry because I was living there for so long I, I always have like at least one to like five beverages in front of me because that was something that you can't just walk over to the tap and get water, right? Everything was a big deal. Either you go buy your bottle of water, you had to boil it. There's like a mineral filtration system that we used for water as well. Um, and so when we were there, water was kind of a big deal because you're sweating a bunch, right? So how do you stay hydrated and also, you know, carry your water around? They had plastic water bottles, um, like our small water bottles. They were about this big, um, but they were large. They were one liters and they had a handle on them. So you could put them on your scooter. You could bring them with you everywhere. Yeah. Oh my God. That's not, yeah. Something I probably wouldn't even have thought twice about, but which makes total sense. Oh like, yeah. And travel go... starts to, to connect those dots for you too. Right. So mm -hmm. when you're getting into travel, you look at how much, like, where does your water supply come from? 
Are you able to get it yourself? Do you have to bring something to assist in it? Um, same thing with clothing. Like what clothing do you bring? You think you're going to a beach. That's great. Yeah, you're going to have little little skimpy things, but you also need to cover your shoulders because you're going to burn to death, right? Yeah. So starting to understand where you travel is, is huge. What has been like the biggest eye-opening experience in your travels? Oh, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so many lessons learned. Yeah, there's so many lessons when you get out in the real world. I guess I'm going to go political about it because I think this was the biggest one as a Westerner. Um, we, we use a lot of products that aren't necessary and destroy land. So when I was specifically in Langkawi, Malaysia, um, we went through the, the burning of the palms in Indonesia. So what happens is palm oil mm -hmm. that is in every product that we use um, comes from somewhere. Where it comes from is literally burning down palm forests, uh, extracting the oil, and then selling it back to the Western culture. Inside of that, what I experienced was I couldn't see like my hand in front of my face in another country because there was so much smoke. So the like Indonesia, Singapore, and Malaysia were covered in this smoke because Indonesia is burning these palms to then send all this product back into the Western world, um, which also destroys like animal habitat, right? And it kind of hinders human life because people who have asthma, it's a big deal. So now you're creating the smoke for lungs. Um, and when we looked at Google Earth, like the, the first two days, you could see all the smoke on Google Earth and then it was gone. Like it wasn't existent anymore, even though it was still existent in the air. So like us as a culture or as a entity was able to almost hide the logistics of what was happening on that side of the world mm -hmm. so that we could still have product. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think yeah, that was a harsh one for me. For a lot of things is like you, even though we're so connected and we have the internet and we feel like we see so much more. It also feels, um, uh, whether curated is the appropriate word or not, <laughs> Yeah. Um, was, there's still that filter that like, and I struggle with it too, because I'm not like the most political, uh, economical, knowledgeable human being on the planet. Mm -hmm. So I don't claim to know shit. Um, but I feel like questioning everything is probably my best avenue. And I think that's what it really comes down to on, on any of those topics. Yeah, yeah. Question everything. Um, you know, create co-create your own opinion with other things, right? So legitimate sites and I don't know, talking with people essentially. I and this is funny, probably one of the funniest compliments I ever got. But basically, someone was like, "How do you have all this knowledge?" Um, and someone chimed in and said, "She talks to everyone." <laughs> so true. <laughs> and I'm like. Is that a good quality? <laughs> but it's true. When the more you experience them and you've traveled a shit ton, so you've not only just talked to everyone, but you've talked probably talked to everyone in every fucking corner of the, the world. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So my other favorite experience I would say out there is um, my, my traveling buddy. Her name is Heather. Uh, Heather and I uh, made a guest house. Okay. in the middle of Langkawi and that was really cool because um, I remember you telling me about this yeah it was really nice mostly because I got to take the travelers who are coming through the island into a little bit more of the island feel because we had lived there mm -hmm. so it was it was easy to bring them to the the hidden Buddhist temples and the beaches that no one knew about and the hills that people couldn't drive up because they were too scared 
because um, we knew it, right? So it was a little bit safer with us, whereas the other side of the island was very touristy. Okay. And so they came and they went to the beaches and they went to all the, the local restaurants and the bars and whatever else. But when you came to our side of the island, you were in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it was really sketchy to get to. It was great. I'm, I can't believe, thank you if anyone who came to our guest house, like, trust us, trusted us because we had a uh, taxi cab who we trusted have the, like, sat there with a sign and like said, these people come with me. And then they got into this taxi cab and went 20 minutes away up this hill. Right. And it was just through the forest. Actually, it's a lot like you and I did when we went to uh, Turrialba in Costa Rica. Right. Like, in the middle of the night, you get off. There's someone being like, come with me. Literally the whole time. You know what? I put so much. Tr- I just like, Tia's done this. Tia knows what she's doing. I'm like a new traveler. I'm just a little baby. And then like, as we were driving, it was like, was it three or four hours? It was a long ride. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a three hour ride into the mountains and it was nighttime. So you couldn't see anything. And it was so raining. It made it that much more skeptic, like <laughs> sketchy because you were going around these like crazy back and forth switchbacks and we're like off the cliff and you yep. can't like execute what's happening right you don't know you're just putting all of your trust into this driver who's done this a bunch who's ne- who doesn't speak any english and we're just yeah, I know like english. conversation yeah. <laughs> i learned a lot of spanish in that car ride though you did you did because you talk to everyone yeah even if they don't speak the same language no. <laughs> i remember being like well i don't really know i even if someone called me he was like where are you i'd be like driving up i'm like what if he just drives and we just get murdered like what if this is just like that's where my mind goes yeah. worst but you know what and that's but time. that's that's not a bad place to be <clears throat> excuse me in thought process either because if you're a female traveling right like and that's other experiences of travel like getting into really bad scenarios if you can't assess what could go bad right so always knowing your fallback plan always knowing like you have the the surroundings around you the people around you um and something like that we were traveling in a group of three Right. So there were more than one of us. Um, I had talked to the Airbnb host multiple times. They gave us exactly what was happening. Um, I think I even talked to them over the phone at some point. Right. Like, so there were multiple fallbacks of just being safe coming into it. I think um, our Airbnb host was so amazing. He's like, listen, the driver doesn't speak much English but he's amazing and he'll get you here safe and he knows where he's going. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. Shout out Bob and Helen. They're the fucking world's greatest yeah. like, human being. They're awesome. So that was it, a and, fucking best. And it feels good too when you meet people, right? So like Bob and Helen were one of them where we went and sat in the middle of uh, Turrialba, Costa Rica. And they're in the middle of this, these mountains and switchbacks all the way through. And they've just decided to, um, you know, slowly migrate from their real life over to a Costa Rican safe haven and have a guest house. And that's how they supported that whole area. And it was beautiful. And they gave us awesome directions. And yeah, but those are the things that if you don't trust yourself to go do or like really plan safety, you know, get your brain head in the game that you'll never experience. And those are some of my favorite experiences. Yeah, no shit. I want to talk a little bit more about like what you were saying, like, you can get yourself into situations that can be scary or sketchy because the, you know, the reality is, and I would love to travel solo, but I'm not going to pretend for a second that I'm not absolutely terrified. And that's why I haven't, I've done it in Canada. Um, but that's a different story. Yeah, first, first world cultures. I mean, it's, it's a little different, right? Because you can understand the culture a little bit more. Um, you don't want to ever step on someone's culture too. So almost like doing your background research on that and saying, 
I'm going to respect X, Y, and Z inside of this new culture. I'm not just going to force myself into their society, right? That's a big one too. That's how you get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Do you have any experience in doing that? Like in being part of that type of, I mean, I'm sure I know you well enough that you have done your research. And like you said, you like to talk to everybody and know beforehand and you like that type of stuff, but not. Yeah. Every, uh, I think the, the like scariest part that I got into, um, I mean, yeah, I guess the, the weirdest one was in Phuket. So like Thailand is a pretty big um, area for human trafficking if you're not comfortable or understand your surroundings. And so inside of like the main strip of Phuket is like party central, right? This is where you go and you, you hang out with the drag queens or you go, you know, do some salmon shots over here and there's people on the pole over here. Um, so it, it's a very big, yeah, energy and party central. But there were a lot of people also roaming around that were watching. Do you know what I mean? Like they're there and they're looking. And mm -hmm. so being aware of your surroundings at all times I don't think I ever let that down when there were a lot of people around right like you have to almost be observing your surroundings um, especially if you're a solo female at that point in time so there was two, there were two of us and there were both women traveling around in a foreign land so at all times we were kind of like radar radar um, we never got like too drunk you never you know did any crazy drugs it was always making sure you were safe enjoying your party stay and then moving on that was uh yeah that was a big one like watching guys open car doors really gave me anxiety because i didn't know if i was ever going to be like grabbed and thrown in there and i me against five you know russian dudes i'm not going to have any any strength mm -hmm. so it's one of those things i was always aware that's not how that scenario went that scenario ended up turning into a drag queen walking me hand in hand down the alleyway saying excuse me pardon me i'm getting her to the gay scene and we went and we watched amazing like lady boys all night with crazy headpieces and they were i kid you not sierra like they were beautiful more beautiful than any like born female <laughs> oh my gosh the makeup was to the tens and their outfit was gorgeous and it was like one of the most delightful nights I would say for myself so that goes from something being like not being so fearful that you can't experience something right but also being extremely aware of your surroundings that something could possibly go wrong so yeah. just being comfortable in the in the in-between yeah. And as someone who hasn't done a lot of traveling, it's like trying to navigate. There's a lot of stories online that are fucking horrible. And then there's a lot of um, stories online that are fucking awesome. And it's like taking parts of both and putting those both into like your own experience, which yeah. I haven't done yet. Um, but it's nice to like, just have those conversations because I, in all honesty, like you, I look at you and I just think you're just like fucking badass and you just go do things and it's all fucking awesome and blah, blah, blah. And it's so nice to be like, okay, that's how that works. That's actually how you're supposed to do it. So you can come home eventually and tell your fucking awesome stories. Yeah. And that's one of my, my favorite things to like give other people experiences with, because once you've traveled and you've gained this knowledge, you almost want to share it with everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like here, this is how you can execute it yourself and also have these experiences. Um, but you all, you want to be cautious at the same time. Like if I have had many buddies say, Hey, I'm going to Southeast Asia. What can I do? And I'm like, Whoa, that's a two hour conversation. <laughs> like if you're serious, the yeah. first hour conversation is just of travel. 
And the second hour conversation is of safety and looking in your shoes. Yeah. I remember when we were leaving for Costa Rica that they were like, you need to get this. We have to, I need to get shots. I'm like, Oh my God, I know nothing about travel. And I had to go get all my shots and all that stuff. And even when we were in Costa Rica, like we were talking about earlier with the water thing, I know everyone was all up in arms. I remember Nico not wanting to drink the fucking water and then getting dehydrated. And no, they were awesome. They like, had a water filtration system. It was running. so good. It was yeah, they were so great. great. And it was like, that was such a good, like first experience to travel with like the two of you guys. And then the whole retreat and whatnot. Actually, do you want want to talk about the retreats? Are you guys building the second one? I know we're in fucking quarantine. So when is the next one going to be? Yeah. So we're building the second one. Um, It got a little pushback seeing as the world kind of went into a want a bone. Um, So it was supposed to be in August. I think we're looking in February now. So if everything goes as planned, um, I think we're going to move it into the February zone, uh, which is nice because it's colder on this side of the world and we are going to the Dominican Republic. So I've never been to the Dominican and I'm super stoked. Um, and we have a great, we have a great location, which is amazing. And there's a, my favorite part is there's a flying trapeze rig, like on the location itself. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really excited. And, and that brings, if we're going to tie it all in, that brings that like failure, fear, adrenaline thing back into it and that's why I love that it's there because all of a sudden we can go and we can do our morning meditation and our stretch and then we can just go jump off of cliffs if we want and like also hang off of trapezes it it goes either way and I love having that dynamic to play with because when you go on to a retreat it's definitely about yourself right you want to clean you want to make sure that you're feeling good the first couple of days is uncomfortable and you feel like you should be doing something then you're not doing something but when you get into that headspace, right? And that's that headspace you have to get into for yourself. And something we are not comfortable with is, is winding down to wind up, right? We're, we're always like here and then we're trying to wind down. But if you, if you actually come to a foundation and like wind down first and feel comfortable with yourself, then winding up is just fun. Yeah. Just play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so once you, you know, I like personally stretching and meditating and, and calling that like your breathing, get into your breath work so that your brain is open and everything feels good. Then you can go and do like kite surfing in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I have taken so many things from the retreat that we went on like in Costa Rica, not to keep bringing it up. But well, do you mind if I ask you a question, what did you, what did you, one of the things that you took from it? One of the things since then. We know we haven't talked at length. One of the biggest things that I brought was what you were teaching the yoga class. And I think I had mentioned to you this before. Actually, two big things happened for me on that trip. One was we were doing yoga and you had us put one hand on our heart or this way, one hand on our heart, one hand on our belly. You say one beats, one breathes. And I use that mantra in like my yoga practice like all the time. And it is something that like puts you in your body and like helps me um, disassociate with everything else. Because I think a lot of people think meditation is this simple, um, calm thing where like you just don't think about anything else and it's not that fucking simple. And like, that's the fucking point. Um, But that mantra, like if I do it on repeat, like I'm matching it with my breath has like kept me at a point of like dissociation from everything else. And that was right from your mouth. So thank you for that. Awesome. I'm really happy that that like put you into a good state. Something that I have a difficult time with, or at least I've been um, growing, I would say. It's not difficult. It's a growth spurt is trying to communicate how to put yourself in that state. Yes. Oh, that's such a good point. Right. Like it's it's a difficult it's a difficult part where I'm trying to talk and say, do this. No, that didn't work for you. Okay, do this. No, that didn't work for you. Right. So how do 
everyone has a different way of connecting with themselves, um, especially when it comes to, so for myself, it's like when we're in stretches, and I do this a lot in the virtual classes, is like if we're here, if you're constantly in pain, like if this is hurting, come out of it, breathe for a second, and slowly work your way back in. There's no reason to be so uncomfortable in yourself that you can't go any further. Right. It's like that, it's that fine line of like discomfort versus pain. Yeah. Like get uncomfortable, but like, don't fucking hurt yourself. But don't, no, yeah, don't fucking hurt yourself and make sure that wherever you're going is, is, is comfortable. And that's, that's the same thing with your brain too. Like we all have our complexes, right? And this is something that one of my buddies brought up, like the word complex stems from so many different areas of your specific life. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do the work to get yourself out of it. And that's why I really like the retreats when it comes down to it is because everyone's bringing their own personal self, their own personal complexes. And they're saying, I'm going to push that aside and push this aside. I'm going to lay down here and I'm going to feel this out and I'm going to do me for a second. And there's just something so rejuvenating about eating well, because like how many times a day do you get fed? Man, that's <laughs> the fucking best oh my god that was the best part oh my god it was so yeah, here's your three meals a day you can do what, what you want with them and they were always amazing with like fresh juices and stuff um so you're cleaning out your body internally and then externally you're giving it vitamin d and you're you're, you're getting in the water and the salt is there and you're giving yourself adrenaline rushes and then sinking down to this low like meditative level i love all of it it's it's yeah. one of my favorite things well, I'm so excited for February for the Dominican. I hope the world opens up by then because fuck, who fucking knows at this point? Yeah, I, you know what? I'm not worrying about it. <laughs> I like that attitude. I'm like this. Everyone's talking. I'm like, um, can we just not talk about it? Because it'll be, it's going to be fine eventually. So I'm not going to stress yeah. about it. It's it is what it is. And if you get into that negative vortex spiral, you stay there. So there's no reason to be inside of it. You got to no. just work with it. Yeah. We're going to wind down where, oh yeah, we still got five minutes on this one anyways. Um, and I won't keep it because I know you have a class. Do you have a class at one, right? I have a class at one. Yeah. Okay. I think this is something so interesting about you, which you're probably, well, you may or may not be surprised, but people can't see you because we're on a podcast, but you have these tattoos. And I think it, when I asked you about, you got the tattoo on your lip, that, that line on your lip and you have some on your ears mm -hmm. and you have some on your wrists. I want you to tell people like what the what the background behind that is because I remember you talking about it and I was just like, oh, that's, it's so cool. It is so, so cool. That's so funny. Um, I know you can't see me, but I got uncomfortable for a second. So <laughs> I was like, surprise, we're going to talk about your tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like, yeah, I guess I like lines. I really like lines. That's kind of my jam. Mm -hmm. um, and my lines have always meant like the world to me because I'm putting something on my body I know not everyone views tattoos that way but it's something that like means something internally to me um, so each one of them is something that portrays a learning experience so for instance my uh, left ear has dots no my left ear has yeah that's okay, I wanted to make sure I don't look at myself very often. Um, my left ear has dots and my right ear has lines. And so my receiving ear is my left ear. And that's the one that um, I listen with, you know, like the concept of processing people's 
uh, words and then being able to apply it to myself or something else. And then my right ear is my giving ear. Like that's when I'm talking. I'm, I like to make sure that it comes out properly and with uh, good grammar, essentially, <laughs> right? The, the articulation of the English language that I can give back appropriately um, so that whatever conversation piece we are having, it, it, it allows it to grow rather than like shut it down and have a strong opinion. So that one's that. <laughs> I can tell you're getting uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, oh, it's kind of funny because they all have like these extravagant things. Yeah. Um, for instance, like I tried to give myself a tattoo on my ankle during this quarantine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like a stick and poke one, like right here. And it's hilarious because it definitely didn't work at all. And <laughs> what was it? What was the intention? What was it supposed to be? Lines? It's uh, yeah, they're lines again. There was it was an intention of um, like a compass. So this it's a circle, it's a stick and poke circle, and then each line was going to branch off into being like a compass. And inside of this, because we were sitting in this pandemic, and I know we didn't know like how long it was going to be, it almost felt like my prison tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> like, each day I would do a line and I'm like sitting there and I'd like work on my line prison tattoo and it would it would mean something at the end of all of this what I didn't know about stick and poke tattoos is they take forever <laughs> I did not know this either um also like there's there's specific layers of skin that you have to break through and that's why like guns do that for you appropriately and if you don't you know, disperse the ink appropriately then you have like dark spots and light spots and all this other jazz so i actually am a little proud of my prison tattoo because it looks like a prison tattoo <laughs> you can be proud of that prison compass babe yeah that's exactly it i'm just like look at my direction it looks like that <laughs> i love you okay at the end of every episode i do like a little list of questions so i have a list here of 365 questions and you're just going to pick a random number and I'm just going to ask you a random question. Oh, good. I see the uncomfortable one is done because you did the, uh, the tattoo one already. We're good. Okay. Um, 37. 37. This is so applicable. I say this every fucking time I do it. I'm like, this is so, this is so perfect. But it really is. When was the last time you listened to the sound of your own breathing? Oh, I do that all the time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you not? <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. I, it's how I, I get in tune with myself. That's um, something I've been working on a lot, I would say, in the last little bit, because um, breath work is how you connect to your body. And so I've been research, researching like box breathing, which is for inhale, for hold, for exhale, for hold. Um, and like the Navy SEALs use it when they go and do crazy, crazy rescues. Um, then you go into like your, your yoga breathing, I believe it's called pranayama. And so there's different types of breath you can start getting into to just trigger your neurotransmitters or like your, your, I don't know if it's um, your immune system, but something happens inside of your diaphragm. I'm just starting to learn about the actual effects of breathing, even though I listen to my breath all the time. So yeah. it's been really cool to go down and learn that, that direction. Yeah. I, it's funny because I have been talking to people about like Wim Hof, you know, the Wim Hof dude is. The yeah. ice um, to people who don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily go and meditate, like it's just not their thing. I was talking with someone who watched like the Wim Hof thing and was like, man, that's so cool. Our brain is so connected. And it opened them up to the idea that like, I just don't think people realize how like inner, like breath, breath work, meditation, one in the same, whatever yeah. you fucking want to call it, however you want to do it. And it was nice to like, 
see someone's mind expand because you know people hear the word meditate or breath work and get kind of like get kind of like I don't want to do that that's like some hippie spiritual shit like I don't want to do that yeah I think but people get really, down um how do you call it they get really overwhelmed by the fact that like they feel like they need to astral project from their body if they're meditating mm-hmm. um that's not necessarily the case right like a meditative state is just putting your so how I'd like to the nerd nerd say it is you're going between your parasympathetic state and your sympathetic state. You're putting yourself in rather than like inhaling, right? And and getting a little bit too excited, you're trying to relax into it by your exhale and just allow your body to like your muscles to release and your brain to release and your heart to release like you don't need to hold anything so heavy that it it means something at that moment right you're allowing yourself to melt into whatever it is um so when when we talk about meditative state i try to change my words a little bit when it comes to that because i know we as humans get hung up on like i'm not doing it right (laughs) yeah right so if you just like put aside you're not doing it right and just do it Mm -hmm. it's it's way better yeah and practice it's like everyone thinks they have to get in like the right hit and i was the same fucking way when i started doing it as well you know i think again that's just a natural human thing to be like oh my god it's breathing how can i not do this or you know what i mean like it's so simple how can i not and then you realize how hard it is and then people realize how hard it is and think it's not working that's the that's like where people get blocked right is like as soon as it's like okay well it didn't work for me failure okay well it's it's not like that. It doesn't work like that's like anything else. It's like you have to put the time and the effort in and then and it will work. Yeah, but that brings us right back to the the beginning conversation piece, which is like if you if you're feeling failure, people stop. Stop. Right? And that's not the the way to do it. Like if you're feeling that sense of slight failure, then it means that you're growing or you're learning or you don't know something. Yeah. Right? How great is that? Last question, if your life was a photograph, what would it look like? Oh, man. I know. I know. It's, it's exciting for me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a big question. It can be as abstract or as simplified. I think, as- actually, there is this absolutely wonderful um, tattoo artist in Turkey. Um, his name is Corey with a K. And he does these amazing line work pieces but has a splash of like watercolor behind it and I think that's something that I definitely have been looking into myself and so I'd have to say something similar to that whether it's like a bunch of lines and compasses and abstract weird 3d things turning into themselves with just like this hit of color that looked like someone vomited on it Only you would say that. I love you. Like very specific articulated lines for reasons and then some kind of just wonderful splash of disgusting behind it. Like (laughs) I think it's great. I think that's a perfect description. I love it. Dude, we did it. Alrighty, everybody. That's another episode with Tia. Please go check her out at the Windsor Circus School website, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. It'll be very easy to find. Everything is purple and bright and beautiful, just like Tia. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Honestly, I've had so many conversations with Tia over the years, and they are always extremely um, intellectual and inviting and kind. 
one of the things I love about Tia most is her presence when you're with her. And even over a Zoom call on the internet, um, Tia just makes you feel like you're the only person in the room and that she's there for you and supports you and is very engaged. And I just think that is something that I admire so deeply about her. And if you're interested in heading to the next retreat, that will be, fingers crossed, hopefully in February uh, in the Dominican I went on their retreat to Costa Rica like we had been talking about during the episode um, last year and it was phenomenal and I highly, highly recommend pretty much anything Tia does to be honest because she does it with full force and full heart, full mind and full body. So with that being said, have a great fucking day and if you're not having a great fucking day, do your best just one day at a time. 